We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to IB Nation Sports Talk. Glad to have you with us here tonight with the Godfather, Brian Driscoll. Were you laughing at my dancing? Is that what you were doing? No, I was just reading some of the comments, you know, because, you know, like people get on me when it's, you know, 6.02 and the show's not starting. Salty's all over me. And so now it's 6.06 and I'm I'm not saying anything because I don't own this joint. Brian Driscoll. Here to talk about offensive line coaches tonight. <laughs> That's my bad. That's all right. It's just, you know, it's it's always like you get we, you know, we get talking in the back end before we hit go. And that's, you know, then the conversations go for a while. This is only like what, Brian, the second or third time you and I have done a show together. Only I the think. second for the full time. I did that one time. We had somebody who was a little bit late, so I stepped in to help out. But it's only That's the second right. time I've been an actual guest. Planned, yes. <laughs> Y'all are going to see a little bit more of me this week, so just just saying. That's right. And uh, the next time everyone sees me, slash hears me, whatever, I'll be in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I'll just say off the top, we're going to talk a little Notre Dame women's basketball in rapid fire later, but uh, there is no official even unofficial there's there's no news on olivia miles yet Mm -hmm. so there's still everything that i was told yesterday they were hoping that it is not going to be you know a severe type thing but she was seeing a doctor this afternoon but as of right now there's there's nothing on that she was standing and kind of you know walking off the court yesterday i she was even jumping up and down during some of the celebrations yeah yeah i i kind of feel it kind of made me hopeful that it's not going to be a a real bad one so right definitely hopeful on that man but did they again, play good after she went out and i'm not saying it's because she went out but, but boy you talk about that those girls stepping up when you know their their point guard went down but <laughs> that was a that was an impressive second half impressive second half big time big time that was one of the more that was one of the more we've had some fun games i mean both louisville games have been a lot of fun and that one was was even more fun doing it down there and you know very controversial air ball by Haley van lith <laughs> At the Love end of the, the game, that was Love that the was shade. Fun. <laughs> That's the right. Shade. Well, let's talk some offensive line coach because, of course, all the uh, the reports that that started up this afternoon, and I I went out and got a haircut, and then you know ran an errand or two, and I'm driving back, and I get a text from Jesse, 
And he's like, looks like the Joe Rudolph thing is happening. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the middle of, I'm in the middle of a meeting with my tax guy going over taxes for the year. Uh -huh. He had just given me some really bad news. And of course, this all blows up. So I'm like, well, wonderful. Just wonderful. But I was exactly. able to kind of gather some info. So it's a very interesting situation, John. Well, and just you know, the way the way this has gotten out, you know, it it's it's interesting because it, as again, there are different outlets reporting that Joe Rudolph is the guy, mm -hmm. but the information you have doesn't necessarily say, you know, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed yeah, just yet. So, so what do you have on that right it's now? It's not quite the done deal that's being made out to be, but I anticipate it being so. So basically, here's what I've been able to gather, Sean. So after it kind of leaked, and it, it leaked partly because he put something out there saying he was leaving Virginia Tech, right? And then Brent Pry, the Virginia Tech head coach, puts out a thing saying, hey, looking forward to your, you know, good luck at Notre Dame, basically kind of thing. So reached out to uh, sources at Notre Dame that are sort of kind of knowledgeable of what's going on here. And basically what, what's going on is they've interviewed a bunch of coaches on Zoom, obviously brought, brought Matt Luke in for a formal interview. The way that Marcus Freeman does interviews is he doesn't just bring in all four or all five and then just pick his guy. He goes through the the zooms and the meetings and they talk ball, which is really just modern technology has really helped this stuff up because you don't have to yeah. fly someone in to do a, a chalk talk with them. Right. I mean, you just set that thing up and we're talking ball right there, which is really nice. And they were able to kind of go through meet with the whole staff. Several coaches went through that. And then Joe Rudolph was kind of the guy that the staff and coach Freeman decided was, Hey, that's, that's the next guy after Matt Luke. So he's coming in tomorrow for his formal interview so he has obviously met with um uh, he has obviously met with marcus freeman the offensive staff things like that but he still has to meet with the administrators at notre dame and kind of go through that part of the process right. and and then of course he has to go to you know i, I would assume this i'm not 100 percent certain of sean but i'm i, I think this is uh, going to be accurate based on how past ones have gone is he'll actually also meet with the players Okay. So as long as a red flag doesn't come in, you know what I mean? Like he walks into Jack Swarbrick's office, pops his feet up on Jack Swarbrick's desk, you know, pulls out a cig and starts, you know, uh, smoking one right there in Jack's office. I'm pretty sure it's going to go well, right? But it, it he has to pass that part of the process before this is an official thing, before they can officially offer him the job and he can take it. However, the expectation is, is that everything is going to go well and then he will formally get offered the job. But there are still some no minor hurdles to to get through, which is what what makes just kind of what happened today just a, a little bit interesting and and I don't want to say presumptuous like real strongly, but it's a tad presumptuous. I mean, and it just this whole process for the coaching hires has just been strange in a lot of different ways with some of this stuff. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very odd that, you know, you're interviewing a coach. Now, granted, Marcus Freeman and Joe Rudolph have a relationship, goes back to Ohio State, you know, so it goes back quite a while. But it's it's just really interesting that, okay, so reports start getting out that Rudolph is going to be the guy. But, you know, again, he's they've talked. He hasn't officially done this. And then not just that reports come out about it, but then Joe Rudolph – you know, goes through this long tweet and he doesn't say Notre Dame in the tweet, but he makes it pretty obvious that he's going somewhere, that he's leaving Blacksburg, mm. Virginia, and it's within an hour of these reports coming out. You know, he he wraps it up with, quote, sometimes the moment you feel at home and comfortable, God pushes you in a new direction and presents you with new challenges you may fight and resist, but eventually you must face the fact that God is way more powerful than you, and God works on a schedule that is oftentimes different than yours, end quote. And he ends it with, UT Prosum, go Hokies. And I had no idea what UT Prosum is. That's a Virginia Tech thing that means that I may serve, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you yeah. were familiar with that, being a Virginia no. guy. But... No, not until today. No. no. <laughs> yeah. That's a Virginia Tech thing. Virginia, Virginia Tech, Blacksburg is such a different, like, country compared to where i grew up i grew up in the norfolk virginia beach area right and blacksburg's right. like sticks right where my you know we have the beaches the metropolitan areas and all that very so landlocked yeah it's it's more tennessee than it is virginia you know what i mean as far as like the way people are and things like that so yeah it's a little different animal the interesting thing is is i've i've i i have an opinion on joe rudolph as a coach and i'll share some of that and some of it's evolving okay. to a certain degree but the one thing is 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 Sometimes coaches like to put, you know, thank God and all this other kind of stuff and things. And from what I've been able to, to gather from talking to multiple sources, that's how he is, right? Like he is a, a family man. He is a, a man of faith and things like okay. that. So, uh, you know, that is not a, 
let me go say the right thing. That's genuinely how he is. That is something that I have been able to gather because I don't know him personally. I only know, okay, here's my job evaluating him as a coach, right? From what we see from his offensive line, some good, some bad, or some good, some not so good, things like that. But the one thing I have gathered consistently talking to different people in the profession is that he's a, he's a good guy. Right. And that was an important thing too, because when you're replacing Harry, he someone who the players absolutely loved, you better bring in somebody that's going to be similar in, in now Harry's a different type of personality, <laughs> right. but you're going to bring in somebody that, that needs to be a, I, you know, I'm going to push you and be hard on you, one but task. at the same time, yeah, I got your back. You know, and so I think it was important that they find and and honestly, that was the consistent theme that I had heard from all the three finalists after Luke. I heard that about AJ uh, Blazik, the guy from Vanderbilt. Heard that about Brian Callahan. Like they are very culture oriented, uh, player oriented, teaching oriented. Like the kids are going to know that he cares about them, but they're also demanding. So I heard that consistently with all three guys, which is important, Sean, because when you're replacing Harry Eastan, that's the standard that you're being asked to live up to. Absolutely. Is, is that. Absolutely. And then, so after about an hour or so after Rudolph sends his tweet out, his head coach, Virginia Tech head coach, Brent Pry tweets this, quote, I want to congratulate Joe Rudolph on his new opportunity at Notre Dame. We're thankful for Joe and his many contributions to our program. We fully support him in his career opportunity. I wish Joe, Don, and the boys all the best. Brent Pry, end quote. And again, it's just, it's, it's just, it's, it seems like this whole process has gone sort of in reverse. Yes. Like, Yes. Where, where the information is supposed to be coming from. It's like, oh, we're happy. We're happy for our guy. And and Marcus Freeman's going, can, can you just get to town first? So we yes. can, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> wait a day. That's I right. think it speaks volumes about how badly he wanted to get out of Blacksburg. Maybe <laughs> so. Like, hey, bro, if you change your mind, I'm still, I'll be an analyst, whatever. I got to get out of Blacksburg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Joe had a super chat. Good evening, Ivy Nation. And thanks for the super, or Jojo rather had a super chat. Uh, and we appreciate it. How do you get the job? You haven't had the inform if you haven't had the informal interview. I think we're all kind of yeah. wondering that, right? Well, that's kind of what we talked about earlier. Like it's a little different now than it used to be because of the, the advances in technology, right? So, like now, like, so when I was coaching and last time I, I got out of coaching in 2013 was my last season. Then I coached for two years then. And then before that, my last season of coaching was 2005. So when I interviewed for a job, I'd have initial just phone conversation and it was just the basics. And then they say, hey, we'd like to bring you in. So like, for example, when I interviewed at Duquesne, it's relevant because he's a Western PA guy. So I had to drive out to Pittsburgh, go in, meet meet the head coach, meet the other coaches. We'd get on the board. We'd talk ball. What's your philosophy on this? They'd pepper me with questions. Well, what if, you know, what if they rolled a cover two? How would you teach this? How would you handle this? How do you beat press? What's your practice routine? You know, what, what is this? How, how would you attack this coverage? What did you do all that stuff? And it's kind of like in one day, like one very long day. Sure. And you meet the other coaches, then they'll pepper you with things. You meet the players, you do all these kind of things. You meet the administrators and then, they decide if they're going to offer you the job first. Well, now with technology, I mean, Sean, we can we can get on, you know, we could get on a Zoom call with a coach, and he can talk to us about his philosophy. We can see him face to face. He can get he can get on the board. There's there's different programs. He can show us film. He can share film and go over film with us. I mean, there's so much you can do now 
that can be done before you sit down and have that interview where you meet with the yeah. players. And, and that's how it went with the offensive coordinator. So like when Andy Ludwig and Colin Klein showed up, they weren't getting on the board showing the coaches what they like, what they believe in offensively. That had already been done. And so they did this, not well with Joe Rudolph, but they did it with several coaches. And I don't want to start naming names because I'm not sure specifically who they did it with, but I do know that they did at least five or six Zoom calls from what I was told with different offensive line coaches. So it was, it was a pretty extensive process. Now the formal interview is more of just meet the admins, meet the players, and see the campus. Well, for Joe Rudolph, that's not a problem. Joe Rudolph has coached at Notre Dame before. He's he's been here, you know, and so and he's a Western PA guy. He's very familiar with with the culture of Notre Dame. He's from Wisconsin, so it's not like he's got to come here and oh gee, can I handle the cold, right? You know, he's he he's from Pittsburgh and he's spent almost a decade at Wisconsin and in and coached at Pitt and so like you know, 2012 when Pitt came here and almost upset Notre Dame in that 2012 season, he was Pitt's offensive coordinator and, all, and tight ends coach on that team. Okay. So, like, he knows what Notre Dame is all about. And him and Coach Freeman worked together. Well, they didn't work together. He was a GA for Marcus Freeman's first three years as a player at Ohio State. It's like they've known each other for a long time, too. So there's a little right. bit more of I don't need to know that I mesh with you because we've known each other for 20 years. Right. That kind of thing. So it's a little bit of a different situation. So I had a lot of the same thoughts that you guys did, but as I've as I've done more research into this, you say, okay, well, they're much further along in this process than a normal, you know, what we think of when we think of coaching interviews. Right. right. Completely, completely different process than if you're kind of cold calling someone, meeting them for the first time, and that right. kind of stuff is what right. You're right. Sean Singleton said he'd never heard of the guy until today, and my contention is especially with offensive line coaches, it seems like I think that's pretty common. You sure. Know, that, that sure. It's not like there are, you know, really rock star right. offensive line coaches out there. That How many won. people in the chat can name 10 offensive line coaches from around exactly. the country? Right exactly. Right. So, yeah. I, yeah. If you knew who he, I mean, I, I mean, I knew who he was. I, I, I've got feelings on him. We'll get to, but look, he's, he, he's a guy that's known in a circle, especially in the Midwest. He's a guy that's very known in, in coaching circles, for sure. Let me ask you this. Someone was at, uh, Stephen asked it, Chris Watt, where, any idea where Chris Watt stands at this point? Yeah, I expect Chris Watt to be back. I just don't know okay. what role it'll be. I don't know if it'll be as a GA. I don't know if it'll be as an analyst. I'm not quite sure where he stands on that, that cutoff of, how long he's been removed from college and NFL and different things like that. I'm not quite sure where that stands. So I do expect him as of right now to stay on staff. And, and from what I understand about his relationship with the current coaching staff and how Marcus Freeman views him and things along those lines, I do believe he's a very well-respected coach. And if things maybe would have happened with coach, he stand a year or two from now, he might've been a guy that maybe would have had a better shot with this yeah. at this position, but obviously it's just, it was a little too soon right now for him to, to get a look. But I, I do believe Chris got a look. I, I do believe that to be the case. Coach Watt, I should say, got a look and was considered for the job. It's just, they couldn't take a chance on another coach that just didn't have a lot of experience on the staff. Cause you'd have Chancey Stuckey going into year three, Chris Watt going into year two as a full-time coach. Cause he had the one year two lane, mm -hmm. you know, you've got Jared Parker being a first year offensive coordinator where he's running the whole show it's like do you also want to bring in a, a potentially really good but young offensive line coach 
I don't think you can do that when you when you consider what this staff is trying to do for next year, which is compete for a championship. Yeah. So I think what everyone wants to know at this point is what you think about Joe Rudolph. And like you, you went back and looked at his track record at Wisconsin, and it's pretty impressive. I mean, you look at obviously Jonathan Taylor, his career coincided with Joe Rudolph's at Wisconsin, John, you know, Jonathan Taylor, obviously now with the Indianapolis Colts, but there was that three-year stretch. He ran for over 2,000 yards in back-to-back seasons, and I believe it was his freshman season before that, he was like... Uh, 1977, just, right? Yeah, exactly. So over three years, he <laughs> averaged better than 2,000 yards per season right. over a three-year stretch Right. with Joe Rudolph as, as the offensive line coach and offensive coordinator. And then the year before that, Corey Clement went for over 1,300 yards. Uh, the COVID year obviously messed them up. Braylon Allen is a true freshman, went for 1,268 yards and 6.8 per carry, 12 touchdowns in 2021. I, I have some mix. If I'm just going to be honest, Sean, I'll just, tell you just what. Just real I'll, quick, since we're throwing yeah. out names, I, I, I thought it was interesting going back and doing the research that Arike Agumbawale's brother, Dare, mm-hmm. was a running back under yeah. Joe Rudolph for a couple of years. Yeah. And he had, he had a solid – year his last year there where he averaged over five yards per carry he was their leading yeah. rusher it was one of the teams not a great rushing season well, so he himself so had a that was not season. his last year that year uh you're talking about 2015 he that was joe rudolph's first year he had okay. he rushed for 819 yeah, yards right. had seven that's touchdowns right. it was the, the next, next year, year yeah he actually was their number two back and he behind rushed for 506 behind Corey clement yeah, and he still, but he still rushed for 506 yards and averaged 5.6 yards per carry. Also mm-hmm. caught 24 passes for 208 yards. So I mean, he was a very key guy. Returned 10 kickoffs. Yeah. Uh, so so him and him and Corey Clement were a, a nice little one-two punch that year. And then of course the next year it was uh, it was the Jonathan Taylor show. Right. You know. Exactly. <laughs> so for the next years. three years, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the Jonathan Taylor show. And then of course Braylon Allen in 2021. Uh, this year they had a Braylon Allen. Uh, saw his yards per attempt go down a yard and a half almost. And then, uh, you know, obviously in year two, but it's, I'll, I'll share with you my opinion, Sean. And then after that, if you want to share yours, and then I can okay. kind of tell you some other things that I've learned talking to different people about it. And so number one, I have mixed emotions on it. So l- let me say this, AJ Blazik, Blazik, I'm not quite trying to pronounce his last name. Now we don't really have to know because he's not going to be sure. the line coach most likely. Uh, Brian Callahan, Joe Rudolph, or sort of the next three after Matt Luke. Here's what I'll say to sum up all three of them. Whoever you liked, one, two, or three, they are all significant upgrades over what Notre Dame had on the offensive line from 2018 to 2021. Okay, Significant upgrades over what they had in, in, in the two years they went to the college football playoff. So I have some concerns about this hire, but they're still going to have a better O-line coach now than what they had in 2018 when we went to the playoff. Because remember, Harry left in 2017. So they're going to have a better O-line coach than what they had in 2018 when they went to the playoff and a better O-line coach than they had in 2020 when they went to the playoff. So I, I want to make sure that we're clear on that, you know, with, with some of the, the the concerns and frustrations that I that I understand that people have about this hire. So that that's number one. No, number two, Sean, is just my personal opinion with him is I have I have some concerns in a couple different areas. Number one, they had good offensive lines at Wisconsin in a couple years. Statistically, they had really good offensive lines. But some of the issues I had is they they were never quite as dominant as they were in previous years. You know, when you look at years where, like, for example, the, the pre-Paul Christ, Joe Rudolph era. And, and so one of the things that we've heard people say is, well, 
you know, they struggled this year because they didn't have a they didn't have a very good quarterback. Well, Andy Ludwig's last year at Wisconsin was 2014. The two quarterbacks that year, Joel Stave and Tanner McAvoy, uh, combined for 2,082 yards, 6.5 yards per attempt. They threw 15 touchdowns and were picked off 16 times. And Melvin Gordon ran for 2,500 yards. <laughs> Right. right. So right. let's 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 not get into the whole. Well, the quarterback was the problem. Wisconsin's had really great rushing attacks with bad quarterbacks for a long time. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so I felt like the units weren't quite as dominant as past in, in the past. The the talent level wasn't quite as good, or at least it didn't play to the level as it did. You know, in, in past years, he put the same number of guys into the NFL in his seven years as the previous seven years, but there was only like one first round pick. There's like a lot of threes, five and sixes. Whereas the previous seven years, there was like three first round picks that went in the first round. So like it's putting guys in the NFL, but not quite to the level that they had before the production was good, but it was a little bit more inconsistent, you know, than maybe it had been in some previous years as well. So, um, you know, so, so that you was, a, yeah. What, what, uh, cause you're going to be, much more up on this than I am. What did Wisconsin's offensive line recruiting look like in that period? Now that was actually good. Notre Dame is right. That now. was actually good. Like he okay. brought in. So, I mean, he beat Notre Dame for Nolan Rucci a couple years ago. It was a top fifty kid that Notre Dame wanted. Uh, they landed Logan Brown, who was a uh, I think he's from Illinois, who was a very highly ranked guy. Now he hasn't panned out, uh, but he's very highly ranked and and very highly regarded. I think he was a, a top one hundred to one fifty guy according to several services. So. Uh, he has since trans- transferred to Kansas, I believe. But I think some, one service, I think, even had him as like a five-star. Yeah. So he, he was able to get good recruits at Wisconsin. It's just they didn't always necessarily develop. Now, the 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 thing is, like, the lines weren't bad by any stretch. I mean, you don't you don't have a running back go for 2,000 yards, basically, on average for three straight years if your right. offensive line sucks, right? Like and averaging five between five and six yards per carry. Right. And, I and, mean, and, and, and as far as Taylor, I think he had a year where it was like over seven per carry. Yes. So. And and you're not doing that if, Je- if Jeff Quinn's coaching your offensive line, right? Let's just, I, I mean, no disrespect to coach Quinn, but you know, Jonathan Taylor went for 6.6, 7.2 and 6.3. Now a couple things. Number one, I think the big 10 West is not very good. And they, they weren't great running the ball in most of their big games. We saw this against Notre Dame last year where they struggled to run the ball last year. Of course, no, they weren't really playing Braylon Allen a ton before that point in time last year. So that that's kind of a factor in it as well. But, you know, it's one of those things where the lines were good. They just weren't elite. Now, there could be a lot of things that go into it. Here's the thing that 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 I had I have thought of where I'm where I'm 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 curious to see how it's going to pan out. One of the issues that that Joe Rudolph had in my opinion is he wasn't just the offensive line coach. He was also the offensive coordinator. And I have said in the past, I don't like an offensive line coach being the offensive coordinator. And the reason why is it's hard to coach the offensive line to the level you need to five guys when you're three managing deep of five guys yeah. and you're also running the offense. Yeah, I think that's part of this, too. And, and I think that's something that when you look at talking to people at Notre Dame, I think they're they, they, I haven't heard this directly, but I get the sense of. Let this guy focus just on the offensive line, and you're going to see what he's capable of. Because even within that dual responsibility, there's still some very good offensive lines at Wisconsin production-wise. Now, I didn't think the production was always just like, wow, this line is phenomenal. You know, like in 2017 at Notre Dame, it didn't matter who you put at running back. Do you remember the Michigan State game in 2017? Now, keep in mind, Michigan State that year finished number two in the nation in rush defense. 
uh, number two. That was a 10-win Michigan State team, yeah. and they finished number two nationally in rush defense. They gave up 95.3 yards per game. Notre Dame that year rushed for 182 yards on them. The thing is, Josh Adams got hurt in the first half. Mm-hmm. Then Dexter Williams got hurt. Tony Jones was already out because he got hurt the week before against Boston College. And I'm trying to remember what happened to their fourth running back. Forget who. But they, they the whole second half almost is entirely Deion McIntosh running the ball. And they still went for a buck 82 in that game. Now it helps having Brandon Wimbush. But it was just kind of like it didn't matter who Notre Dame put in a running back. I remember the Wake Forest game that year where they put Deion McIntosh in late in the half. And they run outside zone and he rips off like a 50-yard run. It's like it doesn't matter who you put a running back. Right. That's not the line that I thought Wisconsin had. They had a line where they did a good job, but if you put Jonathan Taylor there, poo-hoo, they're going to be special, you know. And so, but again, it comes down to he wasn't just the offensive line coach, and that's why I'm a big believer, Sean, that it, you have to. I I prefer quarterbacks, tight ends, or like with Mike Denbrock, he was the receivers coach, but they had a GA who basically coached the receivers half the time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just not a big fan of of and so somebody asked we'll see the OC a run game he was the offensive coordinator at Pitt and at West Virginia and so now the the Pitt, run game coordinator right now at Virginia Tech for correct maybe correct but he was coordinator the offensive yeah. coordinator now I think Paul Christ had a lot to do with play calling but he had all the offensive coordinator responsibilities. And at Pitt, it was interesting because he was there from 12 to 14. In, ele- in 2011, the year before he got there, Pitt averaged 140.8 yards rushing yards per game, 3.5 per carry. The next year, his first year, they were very similar, 133 yards per game, 3.5. The next year, they were down again. But then in 2014, his third year, by the time they kind of got that going, they went for 249.5 yards per game and 5.3 yards per carry. James Conner had 1,765 yards that year. Their quarterback had over 400 yards, and another running back went for four, over 400 yards. James Conner had 5.9 yards per carry and 26 touchdowns. So it's not like you can say, well, they only had success with Jonathan Taylor. Braylon Allen had a yeah. phenomenal freshman year with uh, Joe Rudolph's last year at Wisconsin. Uh, Corey Clement had over 1,300 yards at Wisconsin. And then James Conner in his last year at Pitt went for over 1,700 yards and 26 touchdowns. So, yeah. you know, you can't dismiss that. My thing that, that my kind of being down on it a little bit is more of a, how do I think he stacks up to, to Harry Heastan, not the previous coach? Because compare Joe Rudolph to Jeff Quinn, and this is a big upgrade. It, but that's not who I'm looking at anymore as the, as the standard. And the other concern I had, Sean, and, and we can get into this next, is I had some questions about the scheme fit. But I feel a little bit better about that now after some conversations I've had today. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that that's you know, kind of – I saw a question or two on that what what do you think this looks like when he comes in you like you know every the duo thing was was a big topic of conversation obviously during the season and and you know outside zone versus inside zone and and all those different kind of things so what what do you expect Rudolph again assuming he's mm-hmm. the guy what do you, what what kind of concepts do we should should we potentially expect from Notre Dame's offensive line well, the thing that, that I kind of been able to gather is uh, over the last week is Notre Dame is going to still run similar concepts that they ran in the past. They're going to have inside zone. Uh, they're going to run duo. They're going to run counter. Those are things that they, they ran all of last year. One of the things I've been told by multiple sources kind of getting to this is one of the things that, 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 that Jared Parker believes, and this is, this is what I'm told from some sources, is he, he, he looks at last year's run game and says and felt like they just didn't have enough 
to get to the perimeter with the run game, which is something we complained about, right? Outside mm-hmm. of jet sweeps, they they really didn't stretch the perimeter with the run game a lot. Well, right. if you remember back in 2017, for example, uh, under Coach Eastan and Chip Long, they were a inside zone, outside zone counter team, but they also had a buck sweep concept that they would use to get outside. So when you look at Joe Rudolph, my understanding is he's not bringing in his run game. My concern was, okay, can he teach zone? Can he teach the stuff that you want to run? Because he's been a, you know, a two back, you know, 12 personnel, 21 personnel, you know, seal all the add extra gaps to the both edges, just downhill under center power running team. And that's not really what Notre Dame is going to be. And so from what I understand, he kind of just scored just checked all the boxes when it talks about his con his feel for those concepts because the reality is sean like i've coached receivers at multiple schools and we ran pretty different offenses there are certain principles that are going to be true and you say hey can i coach this scheme or not and you say yeah i can and with zone zone is actually in my opinion a a little bit say easier to coach than running constant pin and pulls all the time and so my understanding is there's a feeling that he's going to adapt to the zone stuff very well. And they have run zone in the past. They just didn't feature it the way that, you know, traditional zone teams do, but his experience running some pin and pull stuff. And I think you have to especially look at who you have at tackle. You've got two elite players at tackle and Blake Fisher and Joe Alt. that I think what you're going to see is a run game that looks a lot like it did in 2017, where you've got the inside zone, you've got counter, you've got some outside zone. You have a little bit of duo, which they didn't run in 2017, but the outside run was the buck sweep. And so, for example, if you remember the North Carolina game, that 74-yard run Josh Adams had, it was off of a buck sweep. So I think you know his experience working with movement linemen and guys that get out on space, get on the perimeter, the pin and pull concepts, which he's done a lot of, I think Notre Dame would like to add a little bit of that wrinkle to it. And I think that's what they're looking to do in – We'll kind of have a little bit of a breakdown at some point over the next week or two with some of that stuff on the message board. But I think it's more about let's adapt some of the things he does that fit with our philosophy that allow us to get big boys in space and get leverage and do some things to get to the perimeter as opposed to just being a pure stretch-only team, jet sweep-only team to get outside. And again, that fits very well with what Harry Heastan did with Chip Long in 2017, inside zone, outside zone counter, but then running that that buck sweep. And then they would have wrinkles off of that. If you remember the touchdown run that Dexter Williams had in, in 2017 against USC, they faked buck sweep to the right because USC's linebackers, as soon as the guards would pull, they would just fly downhill. So they ran buck sweep to the right, but then they had Dexter Williams just run a sweep to the left with no blocking, but there was just, a, it was just Cole Komet out there, but there was nobody from USC out there. And so it, it gives you some wrinkles that if teams overplay it, you've got some things off of it. And I think it's, it's, I've seen it used at Notre Dame with zone concepts and it's worked. And I think that's kind of where they're going to go. Now, can he teach it as well as Harry Heastan? That's what we'll find out. Right. But schematically, philosophically, I think it fits really well. And he's not coming in from what I'm told to change Notre Dame away from a zone scheme, as opposed to he's adopting that. And then he's going to bring in some of the things he believes in to to add to it. Exactly. 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 And do, as you just detailed, all the things that were so annoyingly not happening, you know, last year, you know, or the last couple of years. I just, I look at it 
again, this is a guy, as you said, who is an offensive coordinator at Wisconsin, along with offensive line coach duties. And I completely agree with with what you're saying by by not having to put together a game plan every week and everything else that goes with being an offensive coordinator and narrowing those duties down. Again, we already know that he he had a great running back like Jonathan Taylor, and now he's got a stable of backs. There might not necessarily be a Jonathan Taylor, but you know there there might be one who could emerge. But I mean, he's not going to have to lean right. on it. So you've got a stable of guys. You know who are if Jonathan Taylor is here, maybe they're right. You know they're 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 right behind him, if not even you know pushing, being equal with him. And he's going to have a better quarterback to work with than he ever had right. at Wisconsin as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. One of their best years that they had at Wisconsin was the 2019 season rushing the ball where they had uh, where they had Jack Cohn. Right. And and he was obviously their most effective passer during that stretch. So you can say, hey, look, uh, they really only had success when they had big time backs. OK, what's your evidence of that? Well, Braylon Allen had a great year and Corey Clement had a great year and Jonathan Taylor was phenomenal. And James Conner, like, well, like you said, Sean, he's walking into a good situation then because he's going to have a lot of really good backs in Notre Dame. Yes. You know, and, and he's going to have very talented offensive linemen. I mean, he's going to have guys that are going to be more physically talented than anybody's ever coached at Wisconsin. With all due respect to the kids at Wisconsin had, there's no Joe Wall at Wisconsin. There's no Blake Fisher at Wisconsin. And there's a reason Billy Shrouth picked Notre Dame over Wisconsin, right? I mean, so, you know, I, I think the talent's going to be there. And, and again, this is, this is a coaching upgrade over what they had before Harry Heastan returned. I want to be clear right. on that. I'm not yeah. saying he's an upgrade over Harry Heastan. Can it be at least as good? Exactly. As yeah. Can yeah. it be? Okay, so like if here's Quinn and here's Heastan, he's certainly better, but how much closer is he to Harry Heastan? Is he right. slightly better than Quinn, way better than Quinn, not quite Harry, but really good? That's what we'll find out because this is going to be a little bit of a different animal and his responsibilities are going to be a little bit different. So I think that's going to determine just how successful he can be is – how does he fit into the room? Uh, how does he ad- adapt to it? You know, is he going to be able to, to – will he thrive as just a position coach? I mean, he'll probably have like run game coordinator tagged in. But let's well, be honest, Sean. Run game coordinator – okay, go ahead. You can read that. Yeah. Uh, Chi-Town was asking if he would have any additional duties beyond recruiting. And, you know, you like know. you mentioned, run game coordinator, which he has right now. So yeah. w- what would that mean specifically to him? And my other question – nothing. I guess that I would ask to you is like, if you were looking at offensive line coach, running back coach, like does one make more sense as a run game coordinator than the other? It's whoever you need to give a title to get them more money. 
Because <laughs> here's the reality of it. That's really the, all that is. The offensive line coach is basically the run game coordinator if he's worth a darn, whether he has the title or not. It's kind of like I've always said, I don't care if a quarterback has C on his chest or not. He's the captain of the offense when you're on the field, right? Like right. he's got that role. If the offensive line coach is anything other than like a newbie who doesn't really know what he's doing, he's essentially the run game coordinator. You're going to lean on him for, I don't know if Harry Heastan had the title of run game coordinator last year, but I promise you had a big input on what they're going to do running the football. Yeah, they're they're his they're his concepts, the, right? They're blocking concepts. His concepts. He running. he's going to yeah. be heavily involved in. Hey, we need to have the these are the formations that we really need to need. We need to make sure we have the edge here. This is how we're going to handle the three technique. We need to run zone this week at the wide technique. We need to run it at the shade. We need to run it here. We need to run this out of this format. Hey, this doesn't look good here, and that's what the offensive line coach does anyway. If he if he's worth a grain of salt, and if the offensive coordinator is doing the job the way he's supposed to be doing the job. The offensive line coach is going to do that anyway. That's a little different than being the offensive coordinator because the offensive coordinator, you are doing you're doing the whole package. You're bringing the whole staff together. You've got to make sure the receivers know what they're doing. The quarterback knows what he's doing. You're whereas, okay, this is my job. I'm going to dominate the run game, and then you guys can figure out what we're going to do behind it. Just let me know what pass protections we need to see. And that that's honestly a bigger question for me than the run game stuff. Like, I think Joe Rudolph would be fine with the run game. The bigger concern I have is the pass protection at times has been a little bit shakier at Wisconsin. And then this year at Virginia Tech, it was really bad. I think that's probably a a little bit of a bigger concern for me than, than the other stuff is that. Now, they weren't bad in pass pro by any stretch at Wisconsin. They were never, I mean, they never gave up like 30. I think their highest year was like 27 one year, but they were 17 in 2021, 21 another. But they don't throw the ball as much as other teams. That's what I was going to say. Leaning on that run game takes away all those passing opportunities. And and I guess that would be my question going, going into this is you are going to have much different, not just skill level of quarterbacks but kinds of quarterbacks than what you had at Wisconsin and so by that the offense is going to look different so so how much I mean does it concern you with 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 an offensive line coach with with that background should it concern you or should he just be able to adapt to it no it's concerning because look it's it's one of those things Sean we say well yeah a coach should be able to adapt but until you've seen him do it you don't really know Right. right. And right. so I think there's always that a little bit. And I think when I when I look at Wisconsin, the, the the concern for me with pass pro is not so much that he doesn't know how to teach pass pro. It's he's been in a system that was primarily under center a lot more than in the gun. They started to do more gun in 2019 with Cone and 2021 with Graham Mertz, but not a ton of gun. You know, just a little bit more of a wrinkle, but they're very much under center. It's a the play action under center is way different. I do think Notre Dame wants to go under center at times. There's no doubt, but they also want to do a lot of gun stuff. Mm-hmm. They want to run a lot of RPOs under uh, in the gun and all that. Those are not things that he's necessarily done a ton. He was more 12 and 21 personnel at Wisconsin. They weren't running a lot of 11 personnel at Wisconsin. That's going to be new for him. Now that that matters because in 11 personnel, you got six guys in pass pro. That's all you have is options. In 2020, in 21 and 12 personnel, you can easily make a check and get a seventh guy in pass pro, and it's going to completely change the type of, you know, are you miking, are you going to be a mic scheme, are you going to slide, are you going to do all type of things? It's a little bit of a different pass pro concept. So I think that'll be an adjustment, or at least I'll say adjustment. What's always an adjustment? I don't care if you're running the same schemes you had. If you're with new coaches, new players, it's an adjustment. That'll be the question mark that I have, is I want to see how the, what the pass pro is like, because 
that's where some of the sack numbers can get up a little bit. To me, it's a lot easier to beat the pressure out of the gun than it is from under center. And so if I'm under center and there's a free rusher, where am I? I'm running backwards. Where am I? What am I going to do with the football? Right. Where is if I'm if I'm in the shotgun and there's a free rusher off the edge, I can quickly slip my feet, throw behind him or throw around him or hit do a hot. It's harder to do that for when you're under center. Just go ask Danny Warfel against Nebraska in 1995. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know where I mean, he was getting to his third step and Nebraska guys were hitting him and there's nothing he could do about it because he's from under center. And so I think that'll add a little bit to it as well. But you're going to teach pocket protection a lot different from under center than you are under gun. Just the launch point's different. The timing is different. A lot of that stuff is different. And I think that's going to be a bit of adjustment for me. I just want to ask you one thing. On a scale of one to loose emoji, like where does your photographic memory lie so if lou's a 10 i'm at like four compared to lou lou is the goat i don't even deserve to be in that conversation with lou right um you know like i i i, I, I we talk about him all the time i miss that guy so much but like we'd yeah. be sitting there in a meeting and we like one time we had like a new guy sean and i was like let me show you how lou's mind works and so i said hey lou who is the backup who is the third string quarterback for notre dame in 1968 and he's sitting on a we're in a you know cubicle and he just like does this he just swings around real fast, and he's like, oh, that was so-and-so. And he starts telling me how he was like a three-sport All-American coming out of such-and-such such high school, and it's like, dude, I don't even know who the third-string quarterback was last year. <laughs> and you're telling me who wasn't – and he he was just so amazing and so gracious with with his knowledge. But, yeah, he he was – it's like – I used to be like, man, I, I really thought I knew stuff like that. And then Lou would just pull up stuff like – just like he didn't – he was my Google – that's like when I stopped working at Blue and Gold, that was the thing. I was like, man, I got to start looking up my own stuff now. Like, this is, <laughs> is going to take me longer to write articles because I can't just turn around or call Lou and and then ask him. And and there's been times since he's passed away. I'm like, I need to – actually, Tim Preacher and I were talking one time recently, and we were trying to figure out something about Notre Dame history and, like, punts. It was something – and they were like, they're like, man, you know, I always wish Lou was around, but this is definitely one of those times. Right. Because he could have saved us a half an hour of conversation. We would have – I mean, you've seen in the press box where he would go up and correct the Notre Dame people mm -hmm. on the stats that they would have. Hey, this is actually not correct because they ran for yeah, X number right. of yards in 1992 <laughs> against Purdue. And it's just uh -huh. like, oh, wow. And they wouldn't even question him. They would just be like, oh, okay. And they just correct it. <laughs> I know. It's like it's Lou Samoji. You don't have any choice. Lou yeah. was there. He was awesome. He was awesome. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'll tell you what. We've got some good listener questions. So I think we'll transition into rapid fire and hit some of those if you want. I, I did want to say one good thing. The one thing that I have not had any questions about with Joe Rudolph, and again, I like some things or some things I'm going to be concerned about, but one thing I have not been, I have not had a question about from what I've known of him, what other people have told me, recruiting won't be an issue. Okay. Like he'll recruit hard and recruit well, and he's selling Notre Dame now, not Wisconsin. Right. So I think that'll or be a Virginia big part Jack. of this as well. Or Virginia Tech. Yeah. That. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I, I think that part will at least be that part will at least be.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 